This morning, we're, we're going to just be talking about marriage, about relationship, and, and um, as we start, now if you're here this morning and you're not married, um, I, I, you're going to be able to pick up a, a lot from this to apply to some of your relationships. Uh, if you're here this morning and you wish you weren't married, you're in the right place. So as, as we start, let me ask those of you who are married, how many would say you married someone that was maybe a little bit different than you? Anybody, a few? There's a few brave souls, all right? We got some hands up. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see the hand. How many would say that maybe your, your spouse is opposite from you in some ways? Yeah. How many would say that? All right. How many would say your spouse is opposite from you in a lot of ways? All right, awesome. It's interesting when you're dating, they say office, opposites attract, but when you're married, opposites attack, right? And so... How many know what I'm talking about? Yes. What's cute when you're dating is not so cute when you're married. There's a song I used to sing. How many know who Mighty Mouse is? Y'all remember Mighty Mouse? Here I come to save the day. Mighty Mouse is on his way. I used to sing that when me and Jenny were dating, and she thought it was so cute. <laughs> now she's like, shut up. Right? In fact, let, let me just do a quick survey right here. How many of you, you're the one who's punctual in marriage? You're the one who's punctual in marriage. Getting somewhere on time matters to you. Raise your hand. Okay. How many would say you're more creative with your time? You're laid back. Go ahead and just take your time raising your hand. All right. Good. Good. How many would say that in marriage you like to plan the trip? You like to plan ahead? Raise your hand. How many you like marriage is like spin the bottle? Whichever place it points, that's where you're headed on vacation. Right? You just, just drive until you run out of gas. When it comes to money, who, who's the spender in the relationship? Raise your hand. All right? Life is short, spend it. Have some fun. Who's the saver? All right. All the ushers, take note who the spender is and make sure the plate is passed in front of them. All right? Help us out with that. The most important question in marriage, and these are, I, I feel your pain on this. These are the most pressing questions in marriage. Deep dish or thin crust? All right? Steak, well done, medium, or rare? <laughs> and then the most important one of all, bacon, crispy or squishy? How many crispy fans in the house? How many squishy fans in the house? How many still like your bacon oinking and your steak mooing? All right. Opposites often attract, and that's good news. Because if you're different from your spouse, that works. Because if you're both the same, one of you is unnecessary. <laughs> and you're looking at each other going, I told you you didn't belong here. <laughs> God often brings two people who are completely different together. And the challenge is in marriage, we end up with conflict. And what starts off as something small gets bigger and bigger 
and then mistrust, and then there's lies, and then there's deceit, and there's unforgiveness, and then there's bitterness, and before long, somehow you wake up and there's two people living under the same roof, but they have totally forgotten how they got there. They're living two totally different lives. And you sometimes may ask the question, how did we go? How did we go from being in love where all the George Strait songs made sense, right? How did we go from being in love and stuffed animals and roses and chocolate to fighting over the vehicle that played those George Strait songs? Come on, somebody. And God doesn't want this to happen, and it doesn't have to happen. And here at Elm Grove, we are making a conscious effort. We're making a commitment to invest in marriages in our community and in our church and to provide help when you need it in a safe atmosphere, okay? And today, I want to talk about never giving up on your marriage. Now, I want to say something as I do, okay? Let me say some things first. I'm not talking about you staying in an abusive marriage or your punching bag and someone just tears into you. If that's the case, I believe it's healthy for you to get away. Yes. You've got to get away. Yes. You've you got to separate, and you make sure you're safe. And then you can work on the marriage at a safe di- distance, at a, in a safe environment. Uh, no man should ever lay his hands on his wife unless he's given her a neck massage. <laughs> right? I also want to say that there are those of you here who have had a marriage and that marriage ended and you ended in divorce court. And I want to say this right off the bat. I don't want you to feel the guilt of that because chances are you've already walked in the guilt of that. You've already walked in that. And I know a lot of people in here and a lot of people I know whose marriages have ended in divorce and they did everything they could to keep their marriage together and someone else didn't work it, and it ended, and they were devastated. Listen, it takes one person to forgive, but it takes two to reconcile. Okay? And so don't don't leave here feeling the guilt of that. Okay? Others of you, you might quite honestly look back, and you say, you know what? There's a lot of things I did wrong. And if I could go back and do it differently, I would. And this morning, you're carrying the weight of that. And what I want to do today is I I just want to challenge you. Let's forget about the past. We, we, we can't change the past. Okay, come on, someone say amen. You can't change the past. But for our purposes and for what God wants to do in this place and to continue doing in this place, we've got to look from this day forward. And no matter what has happened in our marriages in the past, from this day forward, we're going to never give up on God because God never gives up on us. Amen? So I want to start off with Matthew chapter 19. If you're still with me, say amen. Matthew chapter 19, verse 3 through 6, is a very interesting conversation between some Pharisees and Jesus. And now the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus, and they're trying to trip him up. And they bring up the subject of marriage and divorce. And here's what it says in verse 3. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. And they asked the question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now, if you'll pause for just a moment right there. Unfortunately, during this time... Women in this culture were seen as property. It was like today, like I have a house, you have 40 head of of cattle, you have a couple of vehicles, you have a wife. And they would all be viewed on the same level, (laughs) on on the same spring, just as property. 
Okay, and that's how this culture was. And so a man could just say, uh, I don't want you anymore. I'm done. You, you have served your purpose. You've ran out of recipes. I'm done. Right? A man could just do that and divorce. Just like we could sell a car today. Back in this time, a man could just divorce his wife. And it wasn't, wasn't thought of as a big deal. And so the Pharisees, they're trying to put Jesus in this trap. Okay? And what, what, so what's he going to say about this? Well, we're going to watch as Jesus shocks everybody there. He doesn't just raise the standard. He doesn't just lift it up a little bit, but he shocks every listener who's hearing him that day. And he says in verse 4, he said, Haven't you read that at the beginning, of the, at the, beginning the Creator made them male and female? Washington, D.C. needs to get a hold of that. And said, you'll get that later on. And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. Now, Jesus is going back to Genesis. Remember when God said this? A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh and say they are no longer two, but one. Now, what he's not saying is that you no longer have your personality. What he's not saying is you no longer have your gifts. What he's not saying is you no longer have an identity. But what he is saying is you now, you two, are one. You're one in God's eyes. You are one flesh, united with God. And then he said, therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, this would be like taking two pieces of paper. And I've got two pieces of paper here. and One's a husband, one's a wife, Right? And in these two pieces of paper, I have, I have glued the two together, okay? And so they are, they are glued together as marriage glues us together. These two pieces of paper are now stuck together as one. Uh, why do we think divorce hurts so much? Well, in here, if you have walked through divorce, you would be the first one to tell us how painful divorce is. You would be the first one to grab the mic and tell, tell people around you, hey, if there's any way you can work this out, work this out. Because d- divorce is just a painful, painful process. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And so, it, but it's, it's like the, the reason divorce hurts so much, it's like d- d- when you divorce, you're ripping part of your heart out. Those of you who've been divorced, you know the pain. Those of you who maybe your parents were divorced, and you grew up in a household that's been separated, mom and dad, you know the pain. And no matter what you believe in it theologically, you know the pain. Because what's happening, if I try to rip these two pieces of paper together here, it, it gets messy. It gets, and, and there's no clean, there's no clean rip. There's no clean breakaway. No matter how you do this, no matter how careful you are, some of the paper will always be stuck to the other side. No matter how well you do it, no matter how much time you, 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 you spend on it, some of the paper will always be a part of the other side. And there will always be rips and there will always be tears and there will always be, be you know, this, this paper has been altered because of the process in which we have taken it through. Does this make sense to anybody? And so when you walk through divorce, listen, it, it, it's supposed to hurt. It's supposed to hurt. If it doesn't hurt, you never loved at all. I mean, come on. And so there, there's supposed to be that mess. There's supposed to be those tears. And that's why divorce is incredibly painful because now you're trying to separate something that was never intended 
to be separated. And the problem in our culture and, and, and with, with, with a lot of things going on in America today is that we don't understand what marriage is. Marriage, we view marriage as an agreement or as a contract, but the reality is marriage is not a contract. It's not a piece of paper. It's a covenant. Amen. If you're taking notes, write that down. Marriage is a covenant. A contract is based on mutual distrust. A contract is based on mutual distrust. A covenant is based on mutual commitment. Okay? So what is a contract? Well, it's based on mutual distrust. What, what does a contract do? Well, a contract limits my responsibility but increases my rights. It basically says if we're in a contract with one another, I'm in as far as you are in. Oh, this is going to get good. For example, when Jenny and I got married, we rented our first apartment up in Alva. We were going to school at Northwestern, and so we rented our uh, first apartment. I didn't know our landlords. They didn't know me. I could tell them all day long, hey, I'm in the ministry. I love Jesus. I'm not going to do you dirty. They don't care. They don't have a clue who I am. I don't have a clue who they are. Guess what we had to sign? We didn't sign a covenant. We signed a contract. It, it's because, you know, they didn't trust me. I didn't know him. I didn't trust him. And basically it says I'm an in as far as you're in. If you don't do what you've agreed to do, I can remove you from the situation. I can remove you. And for your benefit, if I don't do what I told you I would do, you can have judgment against me. I trust you as far as you perform for me. Oh, this is good. As long as you perform for me, I trust you. But I don't have to live up to my expectations if you don't perform for me. I'm out. And that's what so many people do in marriage today. As long as you make me happy. I love meeting and going through premarital counseling with couples and sitting down with them and saying, why do you want to get married? Because 80% of them, here's, they just make me so happy. They just, well, honey, well, brother, there's going to come a day when they're going to snore all night long and you're going to wake up not feeling happy. You're going to wake up thanking God you made it through the night and didn't kill them. Right? And so we, we, we come to this, well, they just, I just feel so happy when I'm around them. It's just, they make me feel so awesome. And when I'm with him and when I'm with her, man, I just feel like I feel. And that's, that's great. But, honey, there's coming a day when that feeling's not going to be there. And you're going to have to wake up in the morning and make a choice. Am I going to love him or kill him? You didn't know till death do your part was a goal. <laughs> Never mind. It's good preaching. Thank you, Pastor Jared. I appreciate that. <laughs> Marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant. A covenant is a permanent relationship. God is a covenantal God. He's not a contractual God. He's a covenantal God. And he makes relationship with his people. In fact, Hebrew, the Hebrew word is covenant is the word berith, B-E-R-I-T-H, berith. And it literally means a cutting. Now, here's, here's what would happen. I think we should bring this back. This would make weddings a lot more interesting. They would, in the Old Testament, they would cut a bull in half. They knew how to barbecue. And then the two parties would walk through that inside of that bull that had been cut in half Seven times. 
They'd walk through, and they'd walk back around. And they'd come back, and they'd walk through, and they'd walk back around. And they'd come back, and you get the picture seven times, okay? And they would walk through this bull that's cut in half seven times. And uh, what, what that meant, what that symbolizes, if I break my covenant with you, may what has happened to this bull happen to me. <laughs> That'll make you think if you really want to walk through the bull, huh? See, I had no idea when mom told me growing up, cut the bull. She was being an Old Testament scholar. Had no idea. I thought she meant something else. This is serious business, folks. In the Old Testament, the way people would get married, they would come and they would stand before a representative of God who would take the hand of the groom and he, they, would, they would actually make an incision in the palm as they cut them. There's a lot of things we could get to about the, the nails and what, what was foreshadowed by the bridegroom of Christ and the, oh, come on. But that's for a whole nother sermon and a whole nother bucket of chicken. But they would take the groom, and they would take his hand, and they would make an incision in the palm of the hand and blood would emerge. And then they would take the hand of the bride and they would make an incision in the hand of the bride and blood would emerge. And then the representative of God would take their hands and join them together. Why? Because Leviticus says that life is in the blood. And they would literally mingle life together and they would clasp their hands together. And then the representative of God, the priest or whoever was performing the ceremony would take a cord or rope and he would tie their hands together to symbolize they are no longer two, but now they are one. And what God has joined together, let no man separate. I promise you, we would have a lot less weddings here at Elm Grove if we installed that. Sure, you can get married on our stage. It's beautiful. Our church is fantastic. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful facility. By the way, we're cutting your hands. Uh, <laughs> heard the Baptist church is pretty this time of year. <coughs> you can't un-one what God has made one. They've become one flesh. Jared, do you take Jenny to be your wife from this day forward, for better, for worse, to having to hold for richer, for poor, and sickness, and health, forsaking all others? Yes, as long as she makes me happy. No, no, no. Yes, as long as she fulfills her deal. No, no, no. As long as nobody better comes along. No, no, no. What, what is it? As long as you both shall live. Till death do us part. There's no... In a covenant, here's the thing, there's no end date. In a covenant, there's no end date. On a contract, there's an end date. You rent this house for me for a year. At the end of the year, if you want to move, you can move. If I want to do something different, I can do something different. Covenant, there's no end date. There's no end date. Now, what happens when marriage is difficult? What happens when marriage is painful? I remember Ruth Graham and I've shared this story before when we did a, a marriage series here a couple years ago. But Ruth Graham, I want to share it again because it just cracks me up. Ruth Graham, she is the wife of the late and great Reverend Billy Graham. And she struggled at times with his travel schedule. He was gone a lot. And uh, sometimes he would be gone continually up to six months doing crusades and doing things away from the home. And you can imagine raising kids 
without her husband there, how difficult that must have been. And one time they were doing an interview with the reporter, and the reporter asked her, he said, did you ever consider, in the, in the midst of all this, did you ever consider ever divorcing Billy when he wasn't at home, when times got hard in marriage? And she goes, no, I never considered divorcing Billy. I considered murdering him, but never divorce." That make you feel better about your relationship? <laughs> I'm not happy. I don't trust him. I don't trust her. He's not this. She's not that. I don't love her anymore. I don't love him anymore. I, I, I tell people to get divorced because you ran out of love. It's like selling your brand new car because you ran out of gas. You'll get that later. That's really good. good. There's a deep theological moment right there. Good. To get divorced because it's not going well is like selling your car because you have wore out tires. So what do you do? Well, you refill the love. And I know it sounds, it's a lot easier sounding, isn't it? I know, I know it just, some of you are thinking, Jared, I wish it was that easy. And don't get me wrong, I know there's times when you go, but I don't have any more love to give. I don't have any more forgiveness to offer. I don't have any more grace to give. I have done everything I can do. Well, guess what? In those moments is when seeking God really pays off. Because when you don't have any more love to give, guess who gets the love through you? God does. When you don't have any more forgiveness to offer, guess who gets to forgive through you? God does. And when you don't have any more strength to be strong, guess who gets to restore your strength and be strong through you? God does. You let God do what you can't and what you don't have the strength to do and let him continue to do that through you. Now, what do you do? What do you do when you're trying and you're seeking and you're hoping and you're, you're, you're trying to love and you're just not getting anywhere? What do you do? Well, I want to encourage you here with a couple of principles. Okay, that was all introduction. Let's get to the sermon. <laughs> For those who have not been married yet, this is a good foundational teaching. Yes, it is. Um, now, I want you to remember these principles. And it's the principles of sowing and reaping. And I just want to cover them really, really quick, and then we'll get out of here. Galatians chapter 6, 7 through 9, it says this. It says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please a sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now for some of us, this is the verse we've got to hang on to. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, let me share a couple of thoughts with you. First one is this, principle of sowing and reaping in relationship and sowing and reaping in marriage. Number one, you reap what you sow, okay? You reap what you sow. If I put an apple seed in the ground, I'm not going to get an orange tree, right? I've tried putting all kinds of things in the ground. I still can't grow those money trees that mom and dad talked about. How many have one of those money trees? Your parents talked about, well, just go out there and grab something off the money tree, Right? Like, where are these stupid things? I've been looking all my life. I know they're here. You reap what you sow. If you put an apple seed in the ground, you get an orange tree. No, that's not right. 
You don't. What are you going to get? You're going to get an apple tree. Why? Because you put an apple seed in. You reap what you sow. If someone smiles at you, I want to challenge you. Okay, smile at someone and see what comes back. Don't do it at Walmart. Don't do it at Walmart. Don't do it at Walmart. Okay, but anywhere else. Okay, you smile at people at Walmart, they think you're weird. They're like, we need someone to follow out this guy right here. He's acting a little suspicious. He's got joy in aisle four. Right? And so just, just smile at someone. See what they, and if they don't do anything bad, just bless them. Bless their little socks off. Right? If someone flips you off, what do you do back? You do you, nothing. You be a Christian. You don't tell them they're number one. You do nothing. You bless them in the name of Jesus. And so, if you're a Christian in marriage, show grace, show compassion, show thoughtfulness. And see what you're likely to get back. Now, if it has been a long time since you've shown that, okay, they may not jump on board the first time. Well, I showed compassion that one time, and they said nothing. Right? I said I love you, and he said nothing. He said, I know. Bring me some tea. <laughs> and so don't, you, you, you've, you've got to make it in your mind, I'm going to continue to sow this into, into this relationship. I'm going to continue to sow this. If someone's always complaining, always comparing, always critical over and over again, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I don't like hanging out with critical people. I'm not looking at anyone. I'm looking at the lights above, okay? I don't like hanging out with critical people. That gets in my spirit. And then I go home and I'm critical to my wife and kids and the people I love the most. I don't want to be that. And so I, I just, you know, I'm just moving on. That's a good sermon. Thank you, Jared. All right. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be critical. But if you're hanging around people always compare and always complain and always critical, you're going to come back defensive. You're going to come back angry. You're going to come back with self-justification, you know? And so the harvest depends on the seed you plant. Now, men, don't miss this. If you hear anything today, tune your ears in right now. Look at your husband. Make sure he's awake. Men, you got to remember this. Women are multipliers. They are multipliers. Whatever you give a woman, she will multiply. You give her your bachelor pad, it's a bachelor pad. They're going to come in. They're going to do their woman thing. They're going to make it a home. Things are going to match, and it's going to smell good. <laughs> and you walk in, you're like, how in the world did they do this? They're multipliers. That's what they do. You give them groceries, guess what they're going to make? They're going to make a feast fit for a king. Women can multiply they just, they have that gift. Ladies, is, is this true? Come on, women, don't leave me hanging. Guys, you give them a hard time, they're multipliers. Come on, ladies. Why is Carrie laughing so hard? 
That's the bottom line. If you don't like what you're getting, men and women, husbands and wives, if you don't like what you're getting, look at what you've been giving. Look at what you've been giving. Someone say amen. Someone say ouch, ouch. If you don't like what you've been getting, look at what you've been giving. And the last thing, not only do you reap what you sow, you reap where you sow. If I plant a seed over here, I'm not going to get a tree growing over here. Okay? You reap where you sow. If I plant all my energy and all my effort and all my passion into my hobby, oh, come on, somebody, or into my job, if I wanted, oh, this this is good, thank you so much. I'm not going to, if I'm going to plant all my energies and all my time and over here, if I'm going to plant, let's let's, let's go a little deeper. You ready to go deeper? Ready to go further? Someone say, bring it, Jared. Here we go. If I plant all my energy into my kids, And we become a kid-centered marriage. Oh, come on, say, still bring it. And we become a kid-centered marriage. That's not going to help my marriage. Again, if I put all my energy and effort into my career, is that going to help my marriage? No. The answer is no. Listen, mom and dad, the best thing you can give your kids is them knowing that mom and dad are in love with each other. Gross them out. I've told y'all about my mother-in-law and father-in-law <laughs> and my family. And we weren't, we weren't that snuggly, my family. We looked snuggly, but we weren't. We were soft. <laughs> and then marrying into, into my in-laws and seeing them in the first few years is just absolutely disgusting. And they made sure it was that way. I'm like, the taters were good, but come on, give some breath here. Right? But somewhere, some way down the line, I I caught on. Huh, JD? (laughs) Moving on. Honestly, this is where some of us are right now. Can I just lovingly say that today? (coughs) This is where some of us are right now. I'm telling you this one statement. For some of you, this is all you need. It's going to seem simple, but don't miss the power of this as we wrap up. You get to decide how good your marriage is going to be. No one else decides for you. As husband and wife, you get to decide how good your marriage is going to be. We get up every morning and we go to work for a piece of paper called money. May we be a church that gets up every morning and goes to work for a covenant called marriage. We get up every morning and we bust ourselves, sometimes to the end of our energies, trying to put a few more dollars in the bank. And I'm not saying anything wrong with that. 
But our most important thing in this life, my number one thing is to love God with all my heart. And then secondly, to love my wife with everything God's given me. And then third, my, my kids. And then fourth comes my ministry. If I win the world to Jesus, and I win every, every person on this planet to Jesus, but my kids and my wife missed out, I have failed. I messed up. I messed up. If I didn't invest in them and love on them and give them the same opportunity, to give, their, to give their heart to Jesus. I messed up. And so today, our marriage is as good as we decide it gets to be. You get to decide this. I want you to circle that word if you wrote that down, we decide. Because we do. Don't think for a moment because we're pastors that we don't have problems. Pastor and Sherry might be great. But me and Jen, we've, we've, we've had our problems. And 97% has been on me. 3% has been on her, but I made sure she's well aware of that 3%. <laughs> Before we close today, this is right where we live. And some of us are going to say, okay, cloud, I heard you. heard all this stuff. blah de blah de blah 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 I don't feel it. I don't want to do this. I don't feel like showing grace. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like working on it. I don't feel like staying married. I don't feel like it. So I'm not. Let me wrap it up with this. What other area of your life can you make that excuse and get away with it? Not one. Not one significant other. I don't feel like going to work this year. I don't feel like showing up for that meeting. I don't feel like going to school. Come on, kids, say amen. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like taking that test. I know she said we got a science test on Friday. I don't feel like it. I'm done. I'm not taking it till Monday. Best of luck to you. Well, you overcome those feelings and you go back. You go back to what you know is right. How many of you say today, I don't feel like paying my taxes this April? Yeah, I'm there with you. But I'm not ready to do jail ministry yet. <laughs> Is it going to work? That excuse going to work? It's not. You get over your feelings and you do what's right. You get over your hurt and you do what's right. You get over your weakness and you do what's right by the power of God working through you. Jared, I can't do it anymore. I know. And that's perfect. That's exactly where you need to be because he has to do it in you and through you. He has to do it. Don't grow weary in doing good. And at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest. You'll reap a harvest. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, I thank you today. I think it's your spirit is speaking to lives this morning. And God, you're speaking hope into hurting areas. And God, I know there are 
There are some who feel this morning, maybe not anyone here, maybe it's just a, a relationship that we know, a brother, a sister, a family member, a friend, a son, a daughter, a mom or dad. God, there are those who they just feel like there's no way possible. God, I know your word says with you all things are possible. And God, I pray that we would build a faith and supernaturally there would be miracles. There'd be miracles of restoration, miracles of forgiveness, miracles of healing that God, we can't explain on our own, but only you can do. God, we know the enemy, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. But God, you came, you sent your son to overcome all the things of the enemy so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So God, this morning, there are those in here married, some are not married, maybe someday will be, some who have walked through the pain of divorce, and some who are still walking through that pain, and they're, they're hurting today. And God, I pray this morning that we would just take your covenant, take your covenant, first of all, the covenant that you have made with us as individuals, the covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ, the covenant that no matter what our past holds, even if it was all our fault, God, you gave the blood of your son so that we could still stand in covenant with you and that all of our shame and all of our guilt and all of our frustration and all of our mess-ups and all of our shortcomings and should-have-been and could-have-beens, God, all of those things can be wiped away. This morning is not a message of condemnation. It's a message of hope. It's a message of restoration. First of all, we got to get restored back to you. Before we can become one, we got to first know the one. And so, Father, I pray this morning for those in this place under the sound of my voice who have yet to begin a relationship with you or have once did, but they know right now where they're sitting, they're not in great standing with you. They know that they're not in relationship with you. They, they know they've walked away. They know they're not living for you. God, I pray this morning that you would just stir their hearts and, and, and challenge them this morning, God, to come into covenant with you. It's a covenant that has no end. We have no end date. God, you love us and you love us forever. And so God, I pray this morning that there would be those who would make that commitment today to walk in covenant with you. And Father, I pray this morning there'd also be those who would say, God, I want my marriage to win. We're gonna win. We're gonna win. My marriage is gonna win. My family is gonna win. My purpose is gonna win. Your promise is gonna win. God, I'm holding on to you. We're gonna win. And so Father, this morning I just ask for your hand to extend our way today. Touch hearts and lives in the only way like you can. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name.